Alright y'all Keys stay So be open minded That's why I have to say You might not like it But it's real So listen up Hey hey what's up everybody uh, Welcome back to Whistling in the Dark podcast I'm Patrick Bradley Down here in Atlanta, Georgia Um I wanted to get into um, a bit of a news roundup today, and not that there's anything in particular, uh, mainly because I didn't really have a uh, a topic myself. Uh, excuse me, just changing something on the uh, mixer. Um, I had nothing too too timely myself, so I thought I'd peruse the uh, the headlines that were out there, uh, do my um, usual contrast compare to the different sources that most of your friends are getting their information from. Um, and as far as topics, uh, in addition to that, I was thinking of talking a little bit about um, wealth distribution. Um, particularly uh, historical, a bit of a historical perspective on it. And um, if I feel I still got some breath left, um, I was thinking about the topic of free trade versus fair trade. Um, I know, again, this is something that, you know, most of your friends, if, if a label says fair trade, that's a selling point. Um, but, you know, what we find out is that um, free trade and, and fair trade, um, for the most part, by that definition of uh, fair trade, what's on, you know, on that label, they cannot coexist, not in this physical universe, or at least this economic universe um, where human beings are operating in it. Uh, so anyway, let's just, uh, take a look. So today, um, there is a move, uh, a consolidated effort to focus on, um, this family separation immigration thing. So CNN for Trump separating families is just a ploy. The president suggests the practice gives him leverage in negotiating with Democrats on border policy. Um, another, there's some video, children play outside a detention center, GOP rep on family procedures. That's nuts. Um, a reporter to Sanders, I, I can't imagine that means Bernie Sanders, don't you have empathy? Anyway, so we see that, oh, Sanders is the, Sarah Sanders is uh, the White House uh, press secretary. Um, Giuliani calls for an end to the possibility of a ridiculous impeachment of Trump. Um, so, yeah, all right, well, let, let's... I'm not sure what this whole separating families is just a ploy, a negotiating tactic. Uh, I don't really get it. Donald Trump's um, 
Democrats can fix their forced family breakup. Oh, Lord, they do this. Uh, they do this auto-playing shit. Like, unbelievable. Um, so he says, Democrats can fix their forced family breakup at the border by working with Republicans on new legislation for a change. This is why we need more Republicans elected in November. Democrats are good at only three things, high taxes, high crime, and obstruction. And then he ended it with his classic, sad. Uh, and that, that was today. Um, so I'm giving you that hot take from this morning from, from Donald Trump's own Twitter account. Um, so, yeah, so he, I mean, I guess, again, right, like kind of the point of me not delving in too deeply is because, uh, you know, your friends and your family for the most part, are not delving into this too deeply. So I think it's, it to me, it's kind of interesting to sort of take away the superficial, you know, message from it and um, and then maybe take one step further, you know, to, to maybe just dig a little deeper to sort of, you know, be sure that we, we see that, I mean, if, if it is, uh, you know, untrue, why? Um, in this case, they're saying, uh, you know, so, I mean, they're, they're obviously the, the implication of the headline is that Trump is purposefully pulling children away from their families, um, to put pressure on the Democrats. Um, and I think, uh, <clears throat> my assumption is that this was going on under Obama. I mean, right. Remember, I don't know if that was like last week or in the last month or whatever, that picture came up of those uh, kids um, that had been like captured by, you know, immigration or whatever, like a family. I, you know, I don't know what the backstory was exactly, but they were uh, in custody and they were basically in, in cages. It looked like they were at, um, you know, uh, at your vet or something, uh, and they were sleeping, and this picture came out, and people went fucking nuts, you know, as you know, as expected, right? Just going crazy on Trump because he's racist, right? And he hates Mexicans, and you know, he hates immigrants, and you know, all this stuff. But then it turned out that actually this was an older picture that was taken during the Obama presidency. So, I mean, I, you know, I definitely could be wrong. Uh, you know, I'm not delving too deeply into our practices as far as, you know, um, illegal immigrants or whatever. But, um, I mean, if under Obama, they were storing children in cages, uh, I have a a feeling that, you know, the policy hasn't changed drastically. You know, I let's just say that I, I've never heard and I thought it would be I would assume it would be a very big deal if Trump changed the policy to say when families, you know, are are captured or whatever, we strip take the kids and split up the families. Um, I feel like that would be a big deal. 
And I don't feel like that's what's being said. I, I feel like they're just pointing out the fact that this is happening. But my assumption is they easily would have found this same sort of behavior from our border police or immigration uh people for a long time, you know? And um, I think they, uh, well, I, I don't know, at least this, the statistic that, uh, you know, at least earlier in um, his presidency was that there was um, less deportations under Trump. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not tracking those numbers on a, a daily or weekly or even monthly basis, but the last time I've heard it cited was, um, there is actually less deportations right now under Trump. So um, judging by, you know, the other sort of absurd focuses that they uh, they get on, you know, my assumption is that, you know, this is sort of par for the course that, you know, this is, you know, I think to me, like the and, it, and again, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of interested from my own, you know, learning to sort of learn, like, what's the state of the art propaganda these days? To me, it seems um, very focused bursts, you know, like they, they pick this topic and then they just hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it. And, um, you know, I don't think there needs to be a ton of, uh, of you know, depth to it either because it's in and out, right? It's, it's, it's going to be in and out of the news very fast. I mean, you know, there was all that stuff with that Stormy Daniels porn star, you know, that's gone. Um, the Russian collusion stuff. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's not brought up. I don't, I, you know, I honestly didn't really follow it completely before, but, um, I certainly don't see it as much. Anyway, so then we move on to um, I, I a new one I'm bringing in is Huffington Post. That's I, so I I actually originally like in, for my first episode part of this kind of thing I wanted to do was also bringing in Facebook and just seeing what my friends uh, were sharing. Um, at this point, I have unfollowed almost anybody that shares anything political uh, on my Facebook. So it's basically just like memes and videos of, you know, dogs and kittens being cute and stuff. So um, I I even took a just a cruise through it before the before hit and record here. And yeah, there's nothing. So maybe I could do um, I could take one for the team and, and follow all these maniacs again. Um, but I really think I think it's one of the the great innovations of Facebook that allows me to stay friends with people that I see in real life, but unfollow them so that I don't actually have to see them in Facebook because they're dum dums, and yeah, I mean they're just they're just taking this shit. I mean I I feel like so so my tabs right now are CNN. Huffing, uh, HuffPost, MSNBC, and then I'm going to go, I have Al Jazeera and BBC, and then the end, end of there is Drudge Report and Breitbart. Um, you know, maybe I'll even bring up InfoWars just uh, if, if, I, if I get on some sort of roll. I'm not exactly sure if there's any real connective thread. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I looked at these all briefly before I started, and it's a little bit 
disconnected today. I, I uh, you, you'll definitely see some what of a theme. You know, like Huffington Post is definitely also you know pushing the the uh, kids immigration theme. Um, <clears throat> kids are uh, so their top story. So their top top story is shock study. Ousting creeps isn't it enough? And they're talking about uh, Weinstein and Bill Cosby and all that. Um, anyway, I don't. I, I guess somebody maybe just did. Uh, I, ousting them isn't enough. I don't know. We you know we could we could dig into that if we want, um, or if I want. I mean, it's just me here. Uh, the top center stage article on Huffington Post is. Bible busted, Christian leaders savage sessions, and uh, this little summary is Christian leaders to sessions. The Bible does not justify separating families, and then below that, kids pride from families probably scarred for life. Prison-like detention centers compound the trauma of vulnerable kids, and <clears throat> the side. Their side news is pretty random. I don't know where that's coming from. Um, videos show this is their top stories. I, you know, I don't know. The main, the, it's the way they do it is their middle section is the largest pictures, largest font. So that the next is top, I would say the next top thing would be their top stories section, uh, which has a little red headline. Uh, videos show California cops shooting and fleeing man on bustling sidewalk. Wave of red flag gun laws shows power of the Parkland effect, which is sort of amusing, right? Like they have the anti-cop uh, story followed by the anti-gun story, which is sort of like precisely uh, I, uh, illuminating one of the contradictions that you find in the sort of anti-gun uh, agenda is that you sort of are coupling these people that are, are you know, anti-cop and anti-gun. Uh, and it it's just becomes a, um, because, you know, when you're anti-gun, it's not anti-gun, it's anti-gun for private citizens, right? So you're anti, like, if you're anti-gun in the way that it's, you know, considered sort of popular, uh, popularly today, or maybe colloquially would be the uh, right way to say that, is you are against private citizens owning guns, or at least that's where you want the regulations to happen. You want you want less of that. So you know, but it is it speaks nothing to, you know police and regulating their ownerships of, of firearms, um, you know, or the army, obviously. Um, and so, I mean, like anything, right? Like there is a balance there, right? Like if, you know, and you're seeing it right here, man, uh, cops shoot guy running down the street, you know, that probably looks different if the guy running down the street has a gun, you know, maybe, you know, he's shooting back. Maybe he's not even fleeing. If everybody has guns, right? I mean, there's, there is definitely some sort of balance or imbalance of power as far as the firearms of the police force and the firearms of your regular, uh, private citizen, not even regular, whatever, just your private citizenry. And if you're taking 
the guns away from them, then now you're tipping the scales. But then out of the other side of their mouth, they're talking about how racist and um, corrupt the police are. So you're tipping. So, so let's flip it around. So let's say out the first side of their mouth that's talking is the side that is saying the police are corrupt and racist and, you know, targeting minorities and, you know, whatever. And then the next follow-up is saying, and we want to give them more power also. So that's, uh, if you ever hear people talking about that contradiction, that's what they're talking about. Um, I tend to, you know, buy more into the, the, uh, the side of the mouth of the corrupt police, right? And uh, and I don't think it even has to be about racism. I mean, we've talked we talked about all right. Me, I'm the only person talking here. I talked about it in an earlier episode. You know how obviously you know the violence and police violence is disproportionately occurring to you know on black people. Um, so there's, you know certainly no doubt, and and I mean uh, I. I would assume that it's just natural for a, a young black man that is not uh, doing any, you know, crime to feel targeted um, or at least be more afraid. I mean, I, you know, as a, as a white man in America, you know, you don't um, maybe you don't get this as much. Although you could argue that in recent in the recent year or so. There is starting to become some, you know, sort of overt prejudice towards that. But, you know, let's go just back earlier in my life. I mean, you know, we're, we're effectively like the one thing that is not a minority, right? If you're a white woman, you're a minority. If you're a black man, you're a minority. Uh, if you're an Asian man or woman, you're a minority. Obviously, if you're transgender or any race, you're a minority. But if you're a white man, you are the one thing that is not a minority, right? So, and I mean, I don't know, for the most part, at least, again, most of my life, I mean, I feel like, yeah, it's pretty much true. And I don't think it's about necessarily like numbers, um, it, you know, um, in the US, like, you know, it, I think it's a more of a power thing, you know, um, than, a, than a numbers thing, like even if tech, right? I mean, I don't think more than 50% of America is white men, but you know, more than certainly more than 50% of the wealth is concentrated in white men. Um, that's that seems pretty safe. I mean, maybe I, somebody can check those numbers and uh, refute that, but I think that's probably true. And um, anyway, but the this is sort, sort of a whole lot of trying to, I don't know. Um, couch what i'm saying and uh, I, I don't know a anyway i i just remember back when um ron paul was running and this this memo or whatever something surfaced and it was like missouri homeland security or something and it was like something about you know like basically like targeting people uh various different things and they were they were sort of calling them i think it was like kind of characterizing them as 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 like um domestic terrorists or so, something like that but basically it was like the law enforcement was saying look out for these people in particular if you see one of these things you should be you know you should investigate or whatever you know look more into it 
And one of the things was a Ron Paul supporter. <laughs> you know, I mean, and I mean, I got to say, that didn't feel good. You know, I mean, I, I feel like the government sort of, you know, imp, or, or just, you know, the system at large, like the, the combination of like the economic system and, you know, legal system that we have and political system in this country, you know, I think it it definitely keeps the boot on the middle and lower class um, for sure. And, you know, for my lifetime, I have been in that. I mean, I may be like eking out of middle class now, but I mean, I'm still pretty much in it. Um, and, but, you know, so I've sort of always felt that. And, and I don't think that for the, for the most part, that is particularly, you know, targeted at race or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think, uh, you know, the fucking legal and economic and political system in this country uh, is keeping it uh, is is like making life harder for Oprah. Right. Um, no. In fact, she's on the other side now, even though she's a black woman. I mean, she's on the other side. She's benefiting from all of this now, you know, Um She's on the side of the cronies, you know, in this crony capitalism. Um, anyway, uh, all, all I was to say is that the the whole point of sort of setting it up was just to say that it was is such a minor drop in the bucket compared to like what a young black kid is getting experience. You know, the amount of of uh, you know in my in my certainly in like the time of me growing up. You know, the amount of sort of targeted prejudice that they're going to experience is, is much higher. So anyway, uh, I get, I, I, I get that. Um, I believe that to be very true. Um, but I also think that there could be additional explanations. I mean, I, I don't even think that one thing has to exist without the other, but you know, like, I've said before the war on drugs and the increase in, in violence. And I think that that is really where you where the targeting occurs, where you're targeting these black communities, you know, um, is, is the importation of these drugs and then keeping them illegal. You know, you bring in, you know, it's like one side of the law, you know, sort of makes it happen so you can get the drugs into the community. And then the police go and arrest all the people that just got all the drugs through this, you know, operation and, um, you know, I, I definitely want to do an episode on, you know, on the drug war and uh, really get into it because I, you know, I got, I've said it, it, I mean, it's just such a big deal. Um, anyway, uh, so, you know, so to me, I kind of buy that side of it more. Um, although I, I feel like the police for the most part are reactionary since such a disproportionate amount of homicides and violent crimes are committed by young black men. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like to some extent, like they don't have to be like racist in their DNA as much as like, that's just like most of the murderers that there have been dealing with have been you know, fit that description and it's just sort of is natural. So I'm, you know, and another thing too is just, you know, the job of police uh, is something that with, with such little experience, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to speak for black people. 
Um, and I also don't want to speak for police either. You know, I don't have experience doing either one. You know, I have friends that are black and I have friends that are police um, and they've told me, but I don't think that certainly makes me police, you know, or makes me like get it to, to that deep of a level. Um, you know, so both of those things. But, uh, you know, at the same time, I think, you know, not being either one of those things, um, I can kind of appreciate, you know, both both sides of it, you know, and, uh, and to me, it's, Again, I mean, it's, you know, it's, I think there is like an obvious answer, you know, and it's, you know, you, you don't have special laws for government, you know, it shouldn't be legal for people in the government to murder. I mean, you know, you, (laughs) you take that away, you know, you subject police to, you know, the same kind of requirements and, uh, you know, and I, I mean, I think it's also right, like since they have a monopoly on investigating and, you know, the government has like the sort of monopoly on prosecution, it uh, sort of makes it a rigged game just naturally. Right. Like whereas if you had a free market that there wasn't one monopolistic group that investigated and prosecuted crime, it would be, you know. Uh, I, I think all of the police would mind their P's and Q's a bit more, you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't just get away with murder easy, you know, always. Um, I mean, you know, I, I wonder how many times they like, it's legitimately, you know, not a self-defense situation or, you know, they're not protecting some sort of imminent threat. Um, and, uh, you know, anyway, that was a big, big old tangent on, on uh, Huff Huff Post top articles, but you know um, there is there it just sort of amusing the you know that they're sort of putting this little spotlight right on the contradiction between being you know these like anti police and anti private gun ownership at the same time. Um, so that's kind of a tough sort of position to to really maintain any real uh, intellectual honesty. Uh, MSNBC, which, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if this is, this is the worst, uh, uh, of them all. Um, I, you know, I'd focus on CNN for a while and also, I mean, I guess probably people aren't reading MSNBC as much. Um, but I thought they're, um, so here's their top stories. They have this little thing on the side the, the top stories is Trump blames Democrats for migrant child separations. Um, I, you know. I mean, hey, you you got to read further than at least it's uh, it's not it doesn't have in the title like the obvious cynicism. I mean, it is Trump blames them, but whatever. So Trump blames Democrats for migrant child separations. Migrant father, I feared I'd never see my son again. Lawrence, who's sleeping better, Manafort or Trump is the next uh, article is Trump using migrant families as a bargaining chip. Art of the Deal co-author, Trump has cast a lot with, uh, I can't even read it all, but dictators. Uh, Did Manafort choose jail over helping a Russian probe? Maddow gives an inside look of Manafort's hearing. Trump faces new legal peril from family charity. President Trump compliments Kim Jong-un again. 
So, I mean, every single article there is about Trump, right? If he's not directly in the title, you know, it's still in there, right? Migrant father, I feared I never see my son again. So the only time they're moving off of it is to talk about the migrant thing, which is obviously part of this, you know, concerted effort to focus all their guns on Trump on this migrant thing. Um, you know, I, uh, I, I can't say, uh, you know, what these headlines looked like back, um, you know, five years ago or three years ago. But it just seems astonishing that, you know, this major news outlet in the United States and every single article on their headlines of their front page is about Donald Trump. I mean, it's even different topics, but it's all Trump. It's all Trump and it's all negative, right? So let's look at uh, let's look at the BBC because I feel like that's like the stepping stone uh, to the international world, at least. Um, so the BBC, right? I I I would assume that they're you know probably pretty liberal leaning. I would assume that they are not Trump fans. Um, but let's, first, uh, top article: Afghanistan extends Taliban ceasefire. Again, I don't even know what they're talking about, but it doesn't have anything to do with Donald Trump. And in fact, as do with the Middle East, the BBC's top story right now is about the Middle East. And CNN, Huffington Post, MSNBC, you know, as far as they're concerned, we're not even fucking at war in the Middle East, right? Um, their other headlines are... Uh, <laughs> Uh, World Cup, one of them is why women's voices are getting deeper. Uh, what is this, UK? The best healthy pancake recipes. They, they seem to use their top thing to really hit different sections. Uh, so then they have news. So their top specifically news stories are taxis plow into pedestrians in Moscow, France to take in some Aquarius migrants. Mm. So I, I'm not sure where this is from, but Aquarius is a ship, I guess, a migrant. And Caracas Club Stampede leaves 17 dead um, on a tear cast. Uh, a tear, I don't know. It's just some random thing. Um, but yeah, keep that in mind, the France to take in some, some migrants. So that's BBC. Uh, um, Al Jazeera, ISIL blast kills 25 as a... Afghanistan extends the Taliban ceasefire. Officials say 25 people, including Taliban security officers and civilians, among the victims in the Nangar attack. Um, I wanted to see a UN envoy in Yemen for crisis talks over uh, how did I don't know how to say this, how did Haldida, H-U-D-A-I-D-A, Hudaida. Um, they do, uh, Al Jazeera, as U.S. separates 2,000 ch children from families at the Mexican border. border. This is on Al Jazeera's, uh, down at the bottom of the front page, but it's there. <clears throat> and, oh, you know, antiwar.com, come on. 
Okay, so antiwar.com. I could go to Breitbart and stuff. I thought it'd be interesting, but um, let's let's check this out because it sort of keeps this theme. So anti-war. I, I honestly feel that like and I, I'm in my mind. I'm going across some. I'm I'm traveling some sort of continuous path of like opinions or whatever. <clears throat> so. But it's it's certainly multi-dimensional, right? And and so I, you know, I'm, I'm you got MSNBC, Huffington Post, CNN. They're sort of grouped together. Um, you know, this sort of I, I don't even know, like I don't even know if you can even talk about an ideology anymore, like political, as far as they're liberal or whatever. I mean, they're just fucking Democrat and anti-Trump, right? I feel like if the Democrats all of a sudden came out and you know it came out that. Obama had like concentration camp for Jews in, in you know Guantanamo, they would just be like okay with that, you know? I, I mean there's I mean, what the fuck, man? I mean, they were literally taking out countries, you know, and they're okay with that. So, you know, why wouldn't that be okay? Um it's just that the Democrats are doing it and they're able to spin it that like somehow the Republicans are worse. So that's, you know, so we got them, they're the Democrats. Um, I, I, I'm now refusing to even give them the benefit of a, any kind of political or economic theory behind it. They're just Democrat and anti-Trump. And I think it's, 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 pretty important to be anti-Trump, right? I think they're even more anti-Trump than anti-Republican. Um, the BBC, I would assume that they are left-leaning and sort of liberal. Um, not a friend of Trump, but I, I honestly don't don't know too much. Al Jazeera, um, they're certainly, you know, not pro the U.S. in the wars and... Um, I, I can't imagine they're really pro-Trump, but, you know, that that would be something maybe we can uncover as, as times go on. But I feel like now you're getting into, like, you know, also when you're thinking about war, right? Like CNN, Huffington Post, whatever. I mean, they're just like mums the word on war. BBC's going to not um, brush it under the rug as much. Al Jazeera is obviously not. And then you get to anti-war where they're purely honest you know, about it. Um, and, and possibly Al Jazeera is pretty honest as well. I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I do not read them that much. Um, and then you kind of get Drudge Report. Now you're getting sort of, now you're getting like pro-Trump. Um, uh, I, you know, I'm not totally sure what out, what they sort of talk about as far as, um, <clears throat> the Middle East, uh, a quick search, a quick search of their homepage returns nothing <laughs> for uh, Yemen, uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iraq, ISIS. Nope. Uh, Merkel, though. All right. Anyway, so they uh, apparently Drudge has has stopped reporting on the war. Uh, certainly today. Um, anyway, so but you kind of see, uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of trying to keep it in a in a flow. So uh, so I feel like you know Breitbart, Alex, so maybe even Alex Jones is ahead of would be like before because Alex Jones is certainly uh, certainly anti-war. I mean, he doesn't 
I mean, I feel like there's a lot less sort of reporters. You know, I know that Infowars gets a lot of um, press or whatever, a lot of attention. But I mean, there's a very like small number, right? Like BBC, CNN, uh, Al Jazeera. I mean, they have far more reporters out there, right? So, they, I mean, they, they can be multi-focused and they have to sort of pull it in. Um, but I know, you know, when there was... Um, Different things that have happened in in Syria, uh, recent you know, or you know during Trump's presidency. I mean, you know, Infowars was you know very very critical of it. Um, but they may have forgotten about that now. And and uh, you know, granted, like the worst didn't happen. I mean, there was that time where it started to look like oh shit, like yeah, like you know, we're like coming at, at odds here. We're like. You know, that it was the second sort of chemical attack stuff. Remember, they had the first one and then the, the second one happened, um, you know, some months ago. And then, you know, there was this sort of new assault. Anyway, you know, I remember Infowars being very critical. But anyway, so, I mean, I, uh, I don't know why I'm doing this uh, real time, but this is this is the uh, all right. This is my flow. My flow for now and I can add or remove a reorder but I feel like there is some flow to these news outlets if I take them this way I'm going CNN to HuffPost MSNBC BBC Al Jazeera Antiwar.com Alex Jones and Infowars Drudge Report Breitbart and I feel like after Breitbart I would need to like find like you know like legit like racist thing like news outlet or whatever i don't even know what it would be and i'm not you know and honestly like most of the shit i hear about breitbart is just like from mainstream news i don't really know i don't know like how i i, I doubt that there there's even racist shit on the main page there um but i don't know maybe it's a lurking underneath anyway so um <clears throat> Anti antiwar.com. So we you know we did read earlier that uh, so UN envoy in Yemen uh, for crisis talks over this port uh, in in Yemen, and this is something that you know Saudi Arabian troops had attacked, and they claim I think they're claiming they have control over it, and it's a big it's a big deal. Uh, my understanding of the logistics of Yemen is number one, they're already fucking starving. They've had some insane cholera out, outbreak, um, and if you if you ever do listen to Dave Smith, that's like his his pet topic is to refer to that because it's just such an awful image of you know a child sort of basically just vomiting and shitting itself to death and apparently we're at the point where there's hundreds of thousands of cases of cholera uh in children in yemen and this is 100 percent a direct they had no cholera and now they're inundated with it as a result of the u.s backed saudi war in yemen and we have also found out that there are actually there have been u.s troops in yemen so it's not just us selling them a hundred billion dollars of weapons refoiling their jets and and assisting them with targeting uh we actually have troops in there, so I I don't I don't know you know why it's still um, not considered uh, a war for us. Uh, I, I 
you know, I mean, if you were somebody that worked in logistics in the army and in, in Vietnam or whatever, you know, you're on the boats, uh, helping the targeting for jets. I mean, you're still in the fucking war, right? Like, uh, it's just because you're not pulling the trigger. There's a lot of people in the war that work in logistics and supplies. I mean, they're still in the war, right? Like that's cutting off supply lines is like a definite strategy in war. So if you could cut off the American supply of weapons and support to Saudi Arabia, that would probably effectively end this assault on Yemen. But, you know, we can't talk about that. So, um, so when, uh, the antiwar.com, their number one headline is UN rejects plan for ceasefire in Yemen port. Uh, not totally sure what that's about. It seems kind of odd that the UN would reject a ceasefire plan, but I can, I can, uh, click on it and see what's up. Then we have French special forces on the ground in Yemen. So now it's not just Saudi Arabia and the U.S. It's there's French forces, right? And I mean, and this is the big thing. This whole like immigration thing, this whole these fears of radical Muslims doing terrorism or, or you know, flooding into Europe and destroying the culture or the European culture or doing all this violence or raping people, you know, like... Whatever you think about that as, like, if you think that's real, I mean, there's definitely, like, a lot of uh, immigrants coming in, whether or not you think that's a good or bad thing. There's no doubt as to the reason it's happening, and it is because of shit like this, because your their home countries are being destroyed, Um I mean, that's pretty much it, right? Like, there it is. In a nutshell, if we stopped, if we as in the U.S. stopped attacking these countries, then they would have to, they would, you know, for a large part, just live there where they had lived before. And uh, and they would also be way less pissed off. So if they are perpetuating violence or something or coming into the <laughs> Europe or whatever with a bad attitude, uh, you know, I mean, rightfully so, right? I, I mean, they didn't start this shit, you know? Like, these Middle Eastern countries didn't start this shit. They've been fucking attacked for 50 years straight now, you know? Uh, anyway, let's look at this. UN rejects plan for the ceasefire. So a Swedish call to the UN uh, Security Council for an immediate ceasefire in Yemen's port of Hodi, uh, Hodaida was derailed during a closed session Friday. The U.S. and Britain both expressed opposition to the, member, to the measure designed to prevent Saudi-led forces from attacking a port responsible for feeding 8.4 million civilians so saudi arabia is targeting a port that is the main like choke point for food to 8.4 million people in yemen and the un said no the britain and the un right is who's the most powerful countries in the un it's the u.s and britain Britain insisted on the meeting being a closed session meaning specific comments during the hearing 
and the reiteration from UN officials of the humanitarian crisis threatening to kill millions would not be done for the public to see. For whatever reason, right? I mean, what the fuck? Like, why is the UN, what do they have to hide that they need to be behind closed doors, you know? Like, I mean, they're just, great, you know? I I actually know the theory as to why, like, the Fed is everything they're done in secret, but I don't even know the theory. Like, where's the benefit, you know? I think the 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 theory behind why the fed does it in secret is wrong but at least it's based on an economic theory whether it's wrong or not i mean this is just like they just don't want people to know why they want yemen to be fucking attacked they don't want the world to know that they support this fucking murder this mass murder mass starvation mass murder and mass starvation that's what that's what the u.s is doing that's what they're supporting here. And they're blocking attempts to stop it. And, you know, so for all the high horse, right, Democrats, I mean, Hillary Clinton probably would even be further, would be moving more quickly on this mass murder and mass starvation, right? I mean, she that was one of the stark differences between her and Trump was that Hillary was uh, more of a war hawk. Now, Trump has turned out to basically keep the status quo going, but the fear with Hillary was that it wouldn't even just be status quo. She would ramp it up, you know? So, I mean, you know, this sort of moral, like, high horse that, that, like liberals are on is just fucking it, it's it's totally unfounded they are when they say i'm with her they're with someone that perpetuates you know mass murder and mass starvation of innocent people in the middle east so you're with her i hope you can sleep at night uh U.S. officials did not publicly comment on why they opposed the ceasefire, but likely is a reflection of the, of the Saudis <laughs> really wanting to attack the city. Uh, British Ambassador Karen Pierce said their opposition was made purely based on the British national interest. Like, I mean, it's just, I don't know, man. I, I don't uh, all right so this this is where I'm at I I feel totally hopeless about this like the this shit is on the only place you're even finding out about this is if you're fucking reading antiwar.com or aljazeera.com right uh and but when they end, so they're doing closed sessions at the UN and they won't comment on it. And uh, Karen Pierce, the, the Britain ambassador, I guess to the UN says, this is in the British national interest. I mean, what possible national interest do the British people have in killing and starving eight and a half million people in Yemen? I mean, where, like, where, where is it, you know? And, and I, you know, I just, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think I felt 
Uh, I don't think I was extremely hopeful when Bush was in, in office, but the, the changeover to Obama and then the continuation of the war, you know, I mean, let's, I'll just call it one big war in the Middle East, right? Like, because we, we kind of believe that the end game is Iran anyway. So, you know, this is some long strategic war to like finally topple the regime in Iran and put, you know, what they want in there. But after seeing that continue under Trump unabated, uh, excuse me, under Obama unabated, you know, I really lost a lot of, a lot of what little hope I had to start with, you know, I lost it. And mainly, you know, it has to do with the, you know, my friends on the left you know, they don't talk about war anymore, right? They're not opposed to it. Like, I, you know, I, I, I kind of like, I don't like the, the argument that like, well, if you're not against, you know, Trump, then you're for him or, you know, just that idea in general, if you're not against this thing, then you're for it. Um, but I would say in this case, like, it, like, it's, it's a little bit different, right? Like, you're maybe like, in your own in your own, between your ears, you you are against that idea, you know, and you're and maybe you're just being silent. But when you vote for one of these people, whether it's Hillary Clinton or Obama or Bush, you're for it. Like you're you are taking the action for that. Like, you are perpetuating the mass murder and mass starvation of innocent people. And that blood is on your hands. And I, I don't mean in some sort of biblical way. Like, I don't think that there's probably no real reckoning, but it's on your psyche. You know, whatever whatever goes, you know, like, there is some sense of morality or, you know, when you do something bad you feel bad about that and sometimes you know maybe it's buried deep but it's there and this is there like and i mean at best you can plead ignorance but you know once you're no longer ignorant to it you can't plead ignorance anymore you're you are trying to prop up the power of mass murderers you know um and there's blood on your hands, you know, and, and, uh, I, you know, I just don't, I don't know what to do. I don't feel like there's any hope that it's going to stop. And, uh, but, you know, God love them, man. Anti-war, the Scott, you know, Scott Horton show, you know, these guys, I mean that, and then, and then this is the reason that I am not like, oh, totally i haven't totally flipped on alex jones i mean i've always thought alex jones was definitely unhinged but he said all the interesting stuff and the reasons that you know mainly it was you know during like let's say during the obama presidency or certainly during bush but you know bush and obama he was very 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 anti-war um and he's still pretty good i mean but he doesn't talk about it that much and you know he's starting to kind of get sullied in my mind um not you know and i don't really care like i can withstand him floating some crazy conspiracy theory and like i can you know just sort of take it with a grain of salt but this is 
there's no conspiracy theory here. This is the reality, you know, like this is what they're meeting. This is what the UN won't, even the UN, I mean, and the UN's pretty fucking pointless, uh, you know, to me as well. Um, but even like the UN is not able to, to say there, there needs to be a ceasefire. Uh, I don't know, man. It's bad news. Like, who's coming up next? Like, we're either going to have Trump or, uh, you know, I don't know. But, I, I mean, I can promise you that, like, whichever one is going to perpetuate this war. And, like, this idea that, like, I should vote for whatever candidate, you know, the Democrats put up because Trump's so bad or I should vote for Trump because whatever candidate the Democrats are going to put up is so bad. I mean, that's why I think it's bullshit. Because either one, like, Yemen loses, right? Like, either one, Iran is ultimately losing. You know, the only people you're going to, like, the only way that that would ever change is if you, you know, start to put, like, you basically elect, I guess, a leader that just fucking starts pulling apart the government, like what Ron Paul would talk about. I mean, Ron Paul's campaign was like, I'm going to end the CIA. I would end the IRS. I would end the FBI, the Department of Education. You know, people were just like, holy shit. But yeah, I mean, that's like about it, you know, end the Fed. You got to do shit like that. I mean, otherwise, like, I mean, I, you know, I don't even know who are the people that are fucking pushing, you know, this agenda. Um, I'm sure... You know, David Icke and Alex Jones could probably tell you. Um, anyway, I've kind of I've gone on pretty pretty long with this today, and I know this wasn't like a very focused episode. Um, I really think that you know the sort of this this uh, Yemen situation is very dire, and you know the only place you're going to read about it is either Al Jazeera or AntiWar.com. Um. You know, so I, I don't really know. You know, I don't know what to do. I, I, I got myself pretty bummed out. <laughs> and uh, I don't, you know, I don't think I'm going to, I don't, we're, uh, you know, we're coming up almost an hour in. I don't think I'm going to do the free trade, fair trade thing today. Um, but, but it's, it's, uh, you know, it's on the, uh, it's definitely on my list. I sort of keep a list going. Um There's uh, just quickly, there are definitely uh, Breitbart articles about um, about the immigration stuff. I mean, I guess they're probably trying. I don't even understand. Uh, former RNC chair Michael Steele, your kids could be next. I don't even. I guess he's Oh, uh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. Here he goes. This is good language, though, right? Like, so Friday uh, MSM, on MSNBC, panelists described the Trump administration's handling of detained immigrants illegally crossing the U.S.-Mexican border as operating, quote unquote, concentration camps. You know, that, I guarantee they didn't fucking accidentally pick pick that phrase. <laughs> And uh, oh, they, all right. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna end. I'm gonna end with this. This was from Breitbart. So this is the kind of shit you know you get on Breitbart. Like they're gonna start pulling out the fucking 
you know, anti-left stuff. So uh, Samuel L. Jackson was slammed for a homophobic tweet about Trump. Actor Samuel L. Jackson took to Twitter on Friday and posted a tweet dedicated to President Trump's birthday, but several social media users accused the Avengers star of sending an anti-gay slur. He said, there's a picture, and the picture says, after dick mints. So these are mints just to take after you suck dick. And he, Samuel L. Jackson tweets, must have been a party at the White House. Mitch, Paul, Rudy, and others were spoiled... Uh, were spotted wearing knee pads and carrying these lined up outside. Happy birthday. Uh, I'm not sure he was saying happy birthday to um, Mitch, Paul, Rudy, and others were spotted wearing So I guess he's saying they were going in to suck Trump's dick. Uh... I don't. All right. So, yeah, a bunch of people. So <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure it's like interesting. I mean, I don't right? like I don't think the, the president, the office of president is above, you know, being blasted and, uh, you know, talked about um, in, uh, you know, sort of with foul language or whatever. I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like the, 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 there's no reverence for me. For the presidency. Um, so in that sense, like, whatever. But um, they're also, uh, you know, attack him for... I mean, I just, you know, this is... I, I don't know, maybe maybe Breitbart's making a story, right, what I'm accusing uh, CNN uh, out of nothing, right? Like, you can always find dumbass tweets, right? You can always find dumbass tweets, and you can always find dumbass responses. I mean, anything. You can find the most horrific shit in the world... Uh, actor Adam Baldwin asked, uh, if he was gay shaming, uh, and I guess he's deleted that, uh, homophobic as fuck. Anyway, um, I don't know. Just seems kind of like, uh, you, again, like if, like, I, I feel like what he's talking about, and I don't I don't actually know who all these people are. <laughs> I like that. He hasn't taken it down either. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, normally fucking people take this shit down. They get scared. But he's saying that, like, Rudy Giuliani, I guess Paul Ryan. I don't, I'm not sure who Mitch is. Maybe, maybe the name's Mitch McConnell. I don't even know who these people are. I know who Rudy Giuliani is. Basically, he's saying they're sucking Trump's dick. Like, they probably didn't even like him before, and they were, did you know, whatever. And now that he's president, they're fucking sucking his dick. Like, they're they're kissing up to him. I mean, what? I just don't see why, like, what is, like, anti-gay about that? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, it's pretty funny. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe the backlash wasn't as bad, but... Um, I mean, yeah, he's just basically saying that they're like kissing up to him and he just thought it was, I don't know, he saw this picture and he just thought of a clever way to, you know, repackage that message. Uh, and I don't see how in any way this is, uh, anti-gay. Um, and, 
you know, the other the other thing, though, that's sort of along these lines was that when, like, Robert De Niro, he got up on uh, the Tony Awards and said, fuck Trump or whatever. And he's like, I need to challenge Trump to a fight or whatever at some point. And uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's pretty funny. Like, you know, I, I mean, that is like, uh... I mean, there's there's literally nothing, right? There's there's literally zero substance in that statement. And I mean, hey, man, you're on the, you know, you're on the the uh, stage talking to. I would assume the audience of the Tonys consists of many millions of people. I don't know, you know what I mean? Like you you do have a platform. I'm I'm I get that like sports players and just whatever celebrities in general are gonna like speak. Uh, about something they care about and they like take advantage of the platform that they have um but jesus christ you know you can't come up with anything better than fuck trump <laughs> i mean there's just there there's zero absolute zero content like there's nothing you can even uh work with in that you know um and uh and it's it's amusing that it i mean or it's interesting that it came right after the um north korea thing you know the meeting and signing this little thing with with kim jong-un and i don't know man it's just like out of all the times to to fucking blast him i mean you know my last episode was just like shit i mean i gotta admit like he's you know there's still fucking you know, fucking up everything in the Middle East. But I mean, you know, you, you, you gotta admit that there's some things that are positive. Um, but you know, well, Trump and, uh, and just all that stuff, man. And I, I do find, um, I mean, just these like extreme elites, um, somehow branding themselves as the voice of, like the poor and the middle class and you know it's it's bullshit i mean they don't i mean they're so fucking rich you know <laughs> and they're like oh god uh anyway uh so let's wrap it up wrap it up there uh i'm always i've been every episode I keep meaning to say in the beginning, like where you can find my stuff. You can, if you want to message me or connect with me in that way, Patrick J. Bradley on Twitter uh, and on Facebook, the Facebook group. Um, you can search just for Whistling in the Dark podcast. Um, and you could also, the the actual URL, the path to it is is um, Patrick Bradley No Hope or Patrick Bradley No Hope Podcast. So that was the original title with No Hope. Ha ha ha. And um, I changed it and it doesn't seem like it's really changing on the, the Facebook URL, but at least this search, uh, I think, does work. Uh, so yeah, so that's it. Um, I'll come back with another episode soon. I think... Um, you know, kind of switching between a sort of more news gallop and uh, maybe a little bit more focused, topical uh, might be the way that I'm gonna I'm gonna do things. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I will talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs>